This episode is sponsored by a donor to Global Wellness Institute, or GWI. GWI is a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a mission to empower wellness worldwide by educating the public and private sectors about preventative health and wellness. GWI's research, programs, and initiatives have been instrumental in the growth of the $4.5 trillion U.S. dollar wellness economy and in uniting the health and wellness industries. Visit globalwellnessinstitute.org. On this episode, we have Petrina Mack. Petrina began her career at AirTouch and eventually launched her own consulting firm. She has helped numerous companies enter the U.S. market with technology products. After witnessing her son grapple with anxiety, Petrina launched You're Okay, a platform that helps build emotional resilience while gauging deterioration in mental well-being. She won the Impact Award from the American Psychiatry Association in 2019 for this app she developed. Her startup was also the only U.S. company selected to present at the Future of Health Conference in Basel, Switzerland. Katrina, thank you so much for being on our show. Well, thank you for having me. That's it's a real pleasure. Um, really love what you've created and what you've done, and I'm looking forward to, to chatting about it because it's a, a demographic that uh, needs attention. Um, so I uh, really appreciate what you're doing. Um, but to to go back to the beginnings, um, were you born in California? Are you a native? No, I'm uh, born in Miami, and I grew up in Palm Beach County, Florida. Okay. Um, and moved out here when I was 17 years old. So I've been here quite a while. And my Florida friends will tell me I, I don't belong back in Florida anymore. I'm, I'm fully converted to Californian. Okay. <laughs> you, you swapped coasts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, did you come out to attend UC Irvine? Um, no, my mother was an adventurer at heart, and uh, when my dad was alive, they had hoped to um, settle in California, but he got ill and, and died, and I was born a few months later. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and so when I was old enough, uh, she made an attempt when I was really young, um, which was really hard to do as a single parent. Sure. So when I was older, um, she talked me into it, and... Uh, um, we came out, I finished my last year of high school and then went off to college. Okay. Wow. Um, do you have siblings? No, I was the one and only right up mm. until <laughs> I was the only one in the womb when yeah. dad passed and she never mm -hmm. remarried. I see. Okay. Um, wow. It's, uh, and sorry to hear about, uh, that, that situation, um, and the loss of your father. You never had a chance to, to know him. Um, that must have been very hard. Um, uh, Petrina, I'm curious, like growing up, what were your proclivities? Were you like into theater or uh, did you read a lot or were you into sports? Um, well, I'll start by saying when you're an only child, you get really good at making friends. And I was so good at it that I became the most popular girl in school. And uh, I went to a high school reunion and, and the car rental person asked me if um, was the popular girl there. And I said, yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was and nice. I loved people. I, I, it was, I had a very fortunate uh, growing up experience in Florida and uh, really a very special time. And in terms of my interests though, um, I was, I always gravitated towards the artistic, so um, very crafts oriented. I studied ballet for many years, 
Um, I was as an only child, you don't quite grow up the same skill set um, to play team sports, but I could hang upside down from anywhere. Um, you know, all the uh, tree climbing and, and various things that you did uh, in a uh, free range childhood like the one I had. Sure, sure. Wow. Um, I'm curious, is your mom still with you? No, she passed uh, actually before my son was born, so she's been gone a while. Oh, okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, so after graduating, what, what, what did you study at Irvine? What were you drawn to? Well, I did a dual major. I was originally intending to go into advertising design and had a minor in marketing, but the, I ended up uh, going off to Italy for one year and finished my, my credentials in fine art. Um, but I ended up making my career in marketing uh, and product development nice. uh, with that foundation. So were you uh, an artist before you went to college? Were you creative? Um, well, I, uh, <laughs> this, this is a really funny long story. Um, I was so excited I'd been accepted to the Honor Society. And sadly, the man who was the uh, school, you know, uh, person responsible for that, who taught art, died. Oh. And I was so upset because, um, uh, you know, he was very well regarded. And then we got this new art teacher in whose first thing that he said to us is, my name is Mizell, not Measle. And, um, and so I, I just took an instant dislike to him. But um, as the school year progressed, um, not only did I fall in love with art because of him and his teaching, but I became the uh, preferred babysitter to his child. Uh, he had a darling four-year-old boy, um, and we stayed family friends forever. I mean, oh, she, that's great. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so we're talking about visual art. So you, are you a painter or are you a sculptor? Painter, yes. Nice. Okay. Oils, large canvas. Wow, fantastic. Or I was. <laughs> you, okay, so you, you, don't, you don't still paint? No, no. Uh, you know, there's many. What was very interesting for me, um, uh, the dog's getting excited. Um, <laughs> what was very interesting for me uh, as I uh, got into the business world is that uh, product development uh, is really a creative endeavor. Yeah, and sure. as long as I was expressing my creativity, um, I didn't really actually feel the need to paint. And of course, you make more money <laughs> in the <business> world <laughs> than you do trying to sell your art. Yeah. But I think also what, what we've evolved to understand and appreciate, and I think what was ultimately at my um, uh, kind of a hidden superpower is people who are very creative are the ones who think out of the box. Yeah. And we had a decade or so where we were trying to teach people to be, you know, out of the box thinkers. And I'm, it's in my DNA. That's great. And that, that's what allowed me to be successful in that product management function in my career. I love that. That's so wonderful. I'm a big fan of art. Um, and um, on the podcast as well, we've had a number of artists who've been on. I think artists, uh, it's sort of a, a, a flip of that. I find artists to be very entrepreneurial. 
and yeah. there's a lot of lessons uh, to be learned from uh, from what they're doing. And uh, you know, certainly they face adversity and overcome obstacles in what they're doing. So uh, I think the, their stories can be very rich for for entrepreneurs uh, on the business side. Um, so I really appreciate what you what you shared in terms of that uh, the creativity and that side of it. So it didn't for you it didn't have to be on the canvas as long as you had a creative outlet. Yeah, yeah and add motherhood to that, and you're you. <laughs> well, that the parenting of that. <laughs> Yeah. demands a lot of creativity Nobody yes they have learned that more of a trial by fire method than uh having uh studied or prepared for it yes you develop you hone your problem solving skills yes uh, <laughs> the speed of that too that becomes critical um after college you started with a consulting group were you doing product design is it was called urban wallace and associates mm -hmm. Um, Urban Wallace was a boutique management consulting practice, and they worked with Fortune 500 companies to uh, develop new product concepts. Uh, so we did both the market research and the, to that what was foundational to helping uh, evaluate and prioritize uh, new product ideas and strategic direction for these Fortune 500 companies. Got you. Great. And then um, was AirTouch a client of theirs that you joined? No, um, uh, uh, because it was a small boutique firm, they ended up uh, consolidating in Boston. And because I had my mother with me, I couldn't uproot her and take her there. So mm -hmm. I, I cast about for something new and did a short stint at another consulting practice that uh, basically led to me being hired by AirTouch. And I came in uh, sort of leading their, their customer research activities and then went on to be a key member of a Skunk Works operation called Telesis Technologies Laboratory, which was funded by uh, Pacific Telesis to benefit both what was then Pacific Bell and Pactel uh, Cellular. And so we did all of the R&D re research and uh, customer research to evaluate new uh, wireless technologies with the uh, new PCS spectrum that was being uh, allocated. So it was a very uh, fascinating time in, in the life of, of wireless, including uh, having an opportunity to visit many of the wireless carriers in Europe and compare notes on what they were doing versus what we were doing. Ah, gotcha. Okay. As some of your work led, I'm presuming, to like um, uh, mobile phones uh, that were in the market or? Well, it was really trying to understand uh, how the spectrum could best be used. And there were some assumptions at the time that um, a wireless phone booth would be adequate. And what we ultimately all determined is that the only thing that was going to prevail was more mobility. Yeah. Um, now, actually, we're closer with uh, the uh, advent of 5G, more close to completely eradicating all wireless technology and having more non-mobile applications. But uh, at that juncture in time, really the next 20 years, we're going to be all about mobility. Gotcha. Well, that makes complete sense. And then um, from there, you transitioned to net gravity. Yeah, I left the large corporate world and jumped into a startup and uh, was brought in actually shortly before they IPO'd. And uh, uh, 
the challenge that we had was that our only competitor was eating our lunch with a SaaS-based solution. So I was hired to rapidly create a competitive response. And uh, it was actually so well received um, by the ad agencies and ultimately our competitor who ended up acquiring us that okay. it replaced their solution. Um, wow. but they, they had market share and no product and we had a product and insufficient market share. So it was, wow. uh, it merged in that way. Well, that's a good marriage. Um, of course, you had the key ingredient. If you hadn't developed this product, then there wouldn't have been any interest. So well done. Yes. Yeah. I got many rave reviews uh, for the work that we led. That's great. Um, uh, did you uh, have a, a nice gain uh, on, on the uh, sale? Yes, indeed. Good. Good. They, <laughs> glad to hear that, that they took yes. care of you. <laughs> And so tell us about the decision then to launch your own consulting company, uh, Vision and Execution. Well, it was a personal lifestyle choice. Um, at that juncture, we were trying to start a family, and I was simply not in the right country at the right time um, to make that happen. And so by uh, hanging out my own shingle, um, and it was also a point in time where the uh, acquisition was going through and things would be centralized on the East Coast and I wasn't interested in moving um, for the company. Um, so hung out my shingle and <laughs> um, uh, continued to essentially do what I was doing all along, which was help companies identify the perfect product market fit and launch successfully. My first major client, I'm happy to report, not only uh, launched in the U.S., but uh, they were an Israeli company with their R&D base there and incorporated in the U.S., but they ultimately became a global company and then about 20 years later got acquired, but uh, that was my first successful uh, project uh, with my shingle hung out as vision and execution. That's really great. But it seemed like you created a niche in uh, bringing non-U.S. companies to the U.S., uh, helping them with their strategy and uh, launching here. That's right. Um, that was a very big part of the practice is working with companies outside of the U.S. who wanted to be successful in a large market, which they really didn't understand how to compete in. Yeah. It's one thing to be all things to all people in one small home country. It's another thing to go up against 20 competitors and still actually have a meaningful percent of market share. And so did a lot of work on, th on that, but also um, product management as a function was still relatively new. In fact, it probably started about the time I started doing the job. And so it, um, there weren't a lot of uh, well understood, wasn't a real, really well understood, uh, sorry, understood function in the organization and people didn't always do it well. So I was also doing a lot of work with companies to help them re retool their product development process and did that for uh, a company that Intel acquired for Cisco, one of their divisions, mm. and, uh, and for another company uh, as well before they completed their acquisition by Nuance. And in every case, it helped them actually be more efficient in how they brought products to market to be more clear about what the customer needs were and to right-size the organization in terms of who should have ownership of what things were getting out of whack in some cases. 
Gotcha. Okay. Brilliant. And it looked like you had clients from uh, all over the globe, but I noticed uh, Singapore, Korea, Eastern Europe were uh, frequent uh, <laughs> locations of your clients. Yeah, no. Uh, it, what they all had in common is they were generally small countries. Yeah. So not only did they need help uh, getting to the U.S. and having a, a local market expert, but they also needed help understanding competing in a larger market. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I just want to acknowledge that um, you received recognition for your great work. Um, uh, the San Jose Business Journal awarded you Woman of Influence in uh, 2017. Yeah, no, it was very nice to be uh, to get to that level of recognition. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, when you launched Vision and Execution, that was in the Bay Area. Correct, right in the heart of Silicon Valley. Okay, great. And that's uh, uh, been home since. Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Um, uh, so you did start a family. Um, we've talked about your son. Um, do you have other children? No, uh, repeating uh, my mother's uh, tradition of one and only. Okay. <laughs> um, and he's literally about to launch. He's, uh, if all goes well, he'll be going off to college in the fall. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a tricky time in terms of how that's going to be managed. I mean, you know, I was talking about this with my daughter. Um, and uh, in fact, she, she actually wrote an article uh, around uh, mental wellness. And there was a, a speaker, a guest I had on my podcast, and she was really inspired by her. And she said the, the mental uh, toughness that she needed to uh, complete her seven summit challenge, which if you're familiar is, uh, is climbing the highest mountain on every continent in the, in, in, on the planet, including Mount Everest. Um, and she said, you know, I'm going to need to rely on that when I start high school in the fall because it's <laughs> all online and that's not the experience I was anticipating for high school. Um, so uh, everyone's in that kind of boat in terms of uh, what's going to happen. Um, which university is he attending? University of Minnesota. Okay. In the Carlson School of Business. Okay, excellent. That's great. Um, and so, uh, you know, would really love to talk about um, the company you started. Now, I've been pronouncing it "You Rock," uh, but is it is it that, or is it "You're Okay," or is it intended to be both? It's both. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. We're we're all about positive psychology and helping people understand that they're really quite wonderful. Yeah. Um, so you rock and you are okay. Love it. That's fantastic. Well, um, share with us about uh, the genesis of this uh, company and, and, and uh, what it does, the value that it delivers. Um, but if you could interweave that with the story of, of your son and, and kind of what uh, prompted it, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. Well, we noticed uh, as a toddler that there was some behavioral challenges and we weren't sure you know what that was about we ultimately came to learn that they were learning differences or neurodiversity and that manifested in, in, in behavioral uh, uh, patterns that made it really challenging for him in the preschool setting uh, uh, all the way up through um, middle school I think he was still struggling wow. uh, with some of these challenges and the because of that um, he developed anxiety 
Sure. And at one point, it was so stressful that he actually was depressed. Oh, okay. um, but more importantly is as we were supporting him, even when he was really young, we were learning things that were evidence-based that therapists would share with us about how to um, allow him to bounce back uh, against adversity and watched what he was going through. And then also um, uh, in middle school, his dad and I decided to um, separate and uh, ultimately live separate lives. And so I was having to pull together my own uh, sets of tools sure. uh, to uh, ma maintain my emotional well-being and fortitude through all of this change. And um, so I took a look at what was working in our lives and um, uh, ended up deciding that we, more than anything, we need to start with prevention. Yeah. Um, the, mo the whole model, which is we treat you when you're at the worst possible uh, case, um, we saw the change uh, through the Affordable Care Act to switch, uh, swing the pendulum from treating illness to maintaining wellness, but that didn't really translate into mental health. Yeah. And we're letting kids get to a place. Um, we live next door to Palo Alto, which had the suicide uh, epidemic That's right. and, um, that the CDC investigated. Um, so we don't want to get to that place. We really need to um, start sooner. And because of this momentum towards prevention starting to occur even with mental health, I learned recently that there are healthcare providers that will penalize a provider if a patient ends up uh, or health uh, and, and um, providers, that's probably the right word, um, if a patient ends up in uh, the ED without having received mental health services first. Oh, wow. so, okay. so instead of it being a fee-for-service moneymaker for hospitals, which <laughs> in the yeah. old payment model it was, um, this pendulum is finally swinging the right direction to say, you know, we need to reward people for uh, providers for keeping people healthy right. so that they don't need emergency services. And that's, that's essentially what this um, multi-featured app uh, does. It, there's okay. many ways to learn positive emotional self-care. And at the same time, because of the, the ability to share how you're really feeling within the app, we get real-time uh, first look advantage to if a kid's really struggling and someone needs to reach out and provide them a higher level of care. Gotcha, excellent. Now it's um, it's it's gamified, right? Yes. Um, you know the interesting thing about some of the apps out there is it's a little bit like assigning a homework assignment. You know, read this, do that. Um, uh, we do have, in fact, a platformer game that has a, a benefit to it. Uh, from playing it, but uh, throughout the app, uh, we've just made it fun to participate in the activities as opposed to making it like a task that you have to complete. It's really something that you experience and in the, in the process of using that particular feature, you just actually feel uplifted. You get a bump in your emotional well-being uh, because you're getting to vocalize and release things that you're holding inside and thinking about ways to reframe things, um, to look at things in a more optimistic way. That's fantastic. Um, and so you started this in uh, 2013, was it? 
No, no. Um, it, we're about three years old at this. Oh, point. okay. 2017. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I imagine uh, your son was kind of um, uh, the, the first user, uh, the, <laughs> the, the guinea pig, as it were. <laughs> well, let's just say he was an invaluable advisor. Okay. He uh, provided many great uh, insights and inputs into how the product should be desi uh, designed. Yes. But in his case, that he, there was no way he was going to share anything in the app that I might get to see. And that's actually one of the secrets of what we do is uh, we don't share what they share, what, what users will share with anyone. Um, that's all very protected. Um, there's double, uh, um, we randomly assign an, an a, a anonymous username uh, that's different one, than what would be their traditional username just to have a higher level of, of uh, privacy and protection from cyberbullying, um, which we've never had an issue with, and many of the um, uh, peer support or, or social media sites end up with those kinds of issues. Um, but we do that because then kids really feel safe to share with a digital device what they're not really ready to share with anyone just yet, and it gets stuff out that doesn't otherwise come out. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. That's really clever. Um, did you uh, self-fund it completely? Well, we've been bootstrapped to date, really to scale. We're looking to get to a seed round of funding. Okay. Um, we're getting very promising uh, conversations in the start of a pipeline with our B2C to, B to model. Um, so hoping to, um, in light of uh, the adoption of telehealth, take advantage of that momentum for more digital health solutions. That's great. And uh, how many users do you have currently? Over 3,500. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, predominantly U.S. based? Predominantly U.S. We've done a few uh, experiments with campaigns outside of the U.S. So we know demand exists out there, mm. um, but we decided to focus on U.S. only. Okay, that's fantastic. Um, and so uh, how much money are you looking to raise? Well, we'd like to get to a million uh, for a seed round. Uh, we think that'll give us a lot of leeway to achieve our goals of uh, uh, being rock solid for a, a larger B2B client and, um, and scale up the organization to support uh, the size of those kinds of deals. Gotcha, oh, that's fantastic. And, um, is it a, a freemium model? Well, the way we're looking at it right now is we make the app available to the end user. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're really selling or the value is the dashboard of what is happening with the users. Um, it provides a population health management or in the case of schools, a school culture management solution it um, helps people isolate you know, where a child might be having issues because we get data by how they're feeling about school, family life, social life, and other stuff. Um, we just had a chance to present it to a, a, a principal from a tier one uh, elementary school and her response was, we need this data. They're essentially part social workers and part teachers, because if they haven't dealt with the challenges in the life of a child, then the child's not emotionally available to learn. Gotcha. So they take on a much heavier burden in that regard. And so they were blown away with the insights they could get 
um, at, on the school or grade uh, down to the individual. Okay. And so uh, that type of data that uh, on the individual basis, is that shared with an educator or parent? Or well, um, it's, it's intended to be shared with, um, for example, a school wellness coordinator or the school psychologist or guidance counselors, and not necessarily to um, have teachers checking on each individual student. They have enough just to teach. The sure. idea is to make it really easy for those who are concerned with emotional well-being to preemptively get to the kids who are starting to struggle before it gets out of hand. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, we do have the ability to offer a parent subscription, but uh, we don't think there's huge takers until we focus a little bit more on the younger students. Uh, but parents could get a the, sort of an equivalent version of what the schools are getting without just focused on their children. Okay, okay, oh, that's so fascinating. Um, and, and, and so, um, but I, I imagine also the, uh, the analytics looking at it in the aggregate could also be very meaningful. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, we track trending uh, keywords so we know um, the words that are positive, we know the words that are negative. Um, we also are tracking in, in the same way that you check a stock price. We, we mm. tra track what's the, the lowest score of the day, the highest score of the day, and where does the, uh, the scores kind of um, congregate, if you will, on a, on a scatter plot kind of way. Um, so you can really track over time on a week by week basis, uh, month by month basis and see, you know, are, are, are you trending normally like, you know, May is usually a tough month for everybody, teachers and students alike. Mm. Is that lower than usual or doing better than usual and things yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, so fascinating. And um, have you been working with um, uh, contract workers or do you have any full-time employees in the company? We have a, a, a small number of key team members. We also have some exceptional advisors uh, two of our advisors are, are world-class experts in uh, artificial intelligence who have shaped uh, how we've designed our algorithms um, oh. to score uh, how kids are responding to the app and what that means for their emotions. Um, we have a fantastic uh, advisor who's a PhD in cognitive neuroscience who's helped with our analytics and measuring our efficacy. And one of our key members is a, um, uh, a gal who's a 20-year veteran of uh, social work and brings a lot of insight in, in terms of how to communicate with children in a way that's validating and reinforcing and at the same time uh, in the most gentle way possible holding them accountable for the peace that they own. Gotcha, okay. And uh, in terms of the rollout, are schools the primary B2B target for you? We're looking at three key categories, uh, schools, uh, insurance providers mm. as a cost containment measure, and uh, providers directly. Uh, all of them have resources available to help if a, a higher level of care need, is needed. And so um, we think all three are very attractive segments and we're getting attention from all three. We're, we'll hopefully sail off with one of them catching. Um, we have been selected as a pilot partner for the state of California's behavioral health program called Help at Hand and looking forward to getting a match with a county in the state of California soon. 
Wonderful. That's great progress. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. It, uh, it seems like what you're disrupting is uh, uh, an interview. Like, just uh, like there's no other mechanism out there to kind of triage uh, or, or bring to light issues. And so it would really be a, an interview or a session. Um, but that, that has to be self-reported that there's a, an issue or, or, or a parent has to say, encourage a child to get, to see a provider. Um, is that right? Is it? Uh, well, the, in, the very, so the interesting thing about adolescence is um, they're not children who parents can make all decisions for. They're not yet legal adults. They're in this um, never, never land of who knows what to do with them. Hmm. And they're at a point in time where they're um, either because it's just normal, healthy um, development and they're, uh, they're pulling away from their parents or there's d dysfunction in the home and they can't go to their parents even if they wanted to. Yeah. And so they don't go to their parents for help. They, they go out and they Google things uh, to try to self-diagnose. And what we try to do in our features is provide curated content to give them better information about what they might be dealing with. That's one of our key features, deal with it. Um, but also to let them know that they are justifiably concerned or they're actually doing okay. Yeah. Uh, and so we help them uh, understand where they're fitting in that continuum and then if they are not in a very good place, we encourage them to reach out to someone they trust. Um, and we carefully choose that term because parent, we, parents are maybe not the most trustworthy person for that particular individual. Right. So we um, encourage them to get resources. Um, we're in the process of adding uh, another level of support through our happiness coach, which is chatbot based. Um, to do a little bit more filtering and interviewing, as you wisely chose that word, to understand what's really going on. But that's part of why we want to be integrated into one of these three enterprise areas, schools, providers, or, or, or payers, um, because we do need to get the kids that need more help to the right resources. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and is a portion of your revenue model a referral fee for if you bring a client to a provider? Well, um, we're thinking of it more that we would contract at the provider level and that they would actively promote it as a solution to their, whatever their constituency is. Students um, uh, could be on, you know, in middle school, they all get either Chromebooks or iPads. So it would be an app installed right yeah. there. Um, and the benefit of that is it continues uh, what we've been successful at achieving, which is to be stigma free. Yeah. This is the, you know, be your best self, um, self-actualization, and at the same time, identifying folks who are struggling to achieve that. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Um, what's your vision, uh, Petrina, for this uh, business? Where would you like to see it go? Well, what I'd really like to see happen is as we increase our users and refine our algorithms, I think there's an opportunity to replace what have historically been considered the gold standards when it comes to um, assessing mental health issues. One of the real challenges that 
I lived through um, and trying to figure out how to support my son is that diagnoses, um, you know, behavior can represent several different diagnoses. Yeah. And so how do you know exactly what's going on? Um, so I'm hoping that by, and expecting actually that by getting that really candid, vulnerable information that users have shared in, in our solution, um, that we can actually do a better job of understanding um, what's really happening with a kid and in real time as compared to most of the tools out there that say, please reflect over the past two weeks how frequently you felt X, Y, or Z. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now, it's, it's very inventive and uh, very innovative, and uh, mm -hmm. I think it's a really a superb approach. Um, do you have a, a milestone in your mind that you'd like to hit where you would say for, for you, yourself, um, it's a success? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, you know, on some level, I'm already feeling <laughs> we're a success. That's great. In that we, we, one, in one of our surveys, there was a place for a unscripted response. It wasn't a probe. It's just, is there anything else you'd like to add? And they volunteered that um, they thought that every middle schooler and high schooler should be using this app because that it had been so helpful to them. Um, so that's, that's like, okay, we're on the, <laughs> we're doing something right. But to really get it into the hands of uh, as many adolescents as possible, um, because they are kind of the, um, uh, the, the black sheep distant stepchild that gets sort of the, the last level of care, you know, last attention. And uh, we, if we can solve this problem, knowing the fact that 75% of mental health conditions uh, are present by the age of 24, if we can be doing prevention uh, prior to the age of 24, we could change the state of mental health in the yes. US, if not the world. Well, it's, uh, it's such important work that's being done. And I'm just, it's uh, also a bit of a shame that um, uh, this hasn't been around, so, <laughs> or hasn't <laughs> yeah. been addressed in a concerted way. So uh, it's very timely and, and, and so critical, the work that you're doing. Um, I noticed you're involved with the Mental Research Institute. Can you share with us about that? Yes, um, I, I've actually ended my board membership there. And if it's not current, I, I should update that. But um, uh, the Mental Research Institute was is globally or internationally famous for developing the brief therapy model, which was a great divergence from the many years of psychotherapy what people would go through starting from when they were born with the idea that you can go in and look at um, the interrelational dynamics and more quickly get to the heart of what is creating uh, emotional dysfunction in an individual or a family unit and resolve it much more quickly. And um, they're you know, internationally regarded for the research and accomplishments that they did. But the folks that were part of that original uh, Mary Band of Thieves, if you will, mm -hmm. um, have uh, you know moved on, and there was a need to actually reinvent the organization okay. um, to continue the work. And so, uh, what the decision was made was to, instead of being both uh, directly researching 
projects uh, within the folks affiliated with the organization to just focus on funding uh, folks who are, who are trying to expand knowledge and application of the brief therapy model uh, as a uh, granting organization. So I was part of helping uh, reorganize and rebrand the organization. Okay, fantastic. Um, and how many years were you on the board? Three. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, you're going to have your hands full with uh, this company. So <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that came into play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I bet. Um, well, Patrina, this has been a really great conversation. Again, uh, kudos for what you're doing. It's very timely. Um, I'm going to have my, my kids uh, uh, try it out. And um, it's also to spread the word um, more broadly about this and share with my peer group. We, we all have children around the same age. Mine are 14 and 12. And so oh, they're uh, perfect. Yeah. yeah, this is a good, yeah. uh, good time for, for them. And um, again, it's uh, uh, I, I just uh, when we when we solve problems or, or create value for issues that have personally impacted us. Um, that's when the passion is really there, uh, and we we see it through to uh, to to make it something amazing. And so I, I see that here, and I'm really just moved by it. Uh, I suppose is the word I'm searching for. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if this came up, but um, one of the there's were two moments of, of validation. Um, one was winning the impact award from the American Psychiatry Association last year. Fantastic. And then also um, being selected as the only U.S. company to present of the 15 that they selected out of 120 global submissions to present at the Future of Health in Basel, Switzerland uh, last wow. fall. So um, it does feel like the, those in the industry understand and value what we're doing. And now it's just getting into the hands of uh, the kids who need it most. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wish you the best of luck in doing that. And it seems like it's right. It's on the right track. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you again, Patrina, so much for your time. My pleasure. Happy to have this opportunity. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.